Hello and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews that we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. All right. Uh, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Mallory Smith, Martin Skay at their home in Portland. Uh, it's July 13th, 2020. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Uh, first question and most important question for our purposes today is why wine? I don't know why I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> why wine? <laughs> I go, I go. How did you get into wine? Oh, okay. Let's see. So... Um, I was living in LA, um, working at Starbucks and which doesn't really matter, but, um, <laughs> uh, I started going to meeting a friend. We would meet halfway. He lived like 40 minutes away from me. So we would meet at this bar that was 20 minutes in between each of us. And it just happened that it was a beer and wine only bar. That's the license they had. And I did not like wine. I didn't, you know, I just didn't know care for it whatever I was like oh I only like white um, you know if I have to drink it and uh, the guy who owns the place oh and then my friend wanted always wanted to drink red wine he wanted an Argentinian Malbec that's mm-hmm. like all we all he wanted to drink um, so the guy who owns the bar was like determined to get me to like something we were there you know four times a week and he was like okay and he um, he would compare wines to like car, like just to anything. He would be like, okay, well, do you want something that's more like, you know, I don't even, I don't know cars, so it didn't really mean anything. <laughs> but the yeah. fact that he was like, <laughs> the fact that he was like comparing it to something different and he was so eager to get me to like something um, was really charming and endearing. <laughs> and, um, and so he would, yeah, he would like, Oh, the, so one of the days we got a wine and he was like, okay, I'm going to aerate this for you. And we're both like, oh, <laughs> we're not fancy. And he was like, no, just trust me. He was like, I'm going to pour it. Wait 10 minutes before you drink it. I promise it's going to be good. Um, yeah. Anyway, so just over the course of that summer, I started drinking more red wine and I was like, okay, I can kind of see. And it was good quality stuff. And so I kind of grew accustomed to that taste. And for some reason, I don't know what the click was. I mean, it just happened because he was just so, you know, he was so passionate about it. Um, And I guess I'm into food and wine just, or no, I wasn't into wine. I'm into food and beverages and that type of thing anyway. And so I just started um, growing, I don't know, like an interest in it. And then I, there was um, a winery down there that had an ad on Craigslist that was like needed some help over the summer, a tasting room. And I was like, oh, that might be kind of fun. And I just kind of threw my application at it just to see. And I needed a side job and it was, you know, sounded cute. And I got it probably just because they were looking for like regular humans. (laughs) I knew nothing about wine. They didn't ask me any wine questions. And so then I was like thrown into this thing. So I went back to the owner of that bar and I was like, hey, I got this job now. And so he was so excited. And then he got pulled out all these books and he explained to me all of the language. It was things like, I remember him being like, okay, it's called when, you know, when you smell it, it's called the nose. 
uh, it's called the palate. And all of those words that are kind of normal to wine people, he had never even used that language with me before the entire time I was going there because he was just being normal. Um, and so, and so now he's, now he's like introducing me to like the world of wine and the way you speak, which was really, I just, yeah. So that's really what got me into, into it was his, his, um, the approachability that he had, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. uh, he, he was not, um, better than me or like, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, then he kind so of brought, then he kind of brought you into the tribe. Yeah. Kind he of. brought me into the tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like a part of it. I didn't even know that it was hard to, you know, I didn't feel ostracized. There was no part of me that felt ostracized by it until after I got into it. And I was like, oh, how funny. I didn't realize that he was being so, you know, that was like how he introduced it. So it felt so normal at the time. Anyway, he was the best. <laughs> <laughs> they've su they've su since um, shut down that wine bar. They just kind of like, it had its day. Um, and so they've, him and his partner have moved on to something different just a couple years ago and I emailed them and I was like, it's because of you. <laughs> but no, it's cute. We have to go visit them. Yeah. Anyway, that's my, yeah. Um, I guess, I guess I always had, I've always had this kind of weird kind of attraction to Wang from like, even as a teenager. Um, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know whether it was just something that, that seemed, um, I don't know, kind of mysterious or something like that. I don't know. Um, anyway, I can, I can, I can remember like I was probably 17 or 18 and I had this, I had, it was a really hot day this is in England. Um, and we were at this like restaurant bar thing and I had this, I had this white, white wine that was just at the time and it seemed amazing I just remember it was like bone dry and it just seemed to go so well with that hot day and it yeah that just kind of that really clicked so and then as I got older I just tried to find out more about wine it was it was kind of a good time to find out about wine in England then there was a um, the supermarkets then just really started getting into stocking wine so mm -hmm. and they would get things um, from Eastern Europe you could get like a Hungarian or Romanian wine that was like pretty cheap um, in comparison to um, to other things and, and pretty good stuff as well because you know they were just just importing it and it didn't really have a sort of a brand name mm -hmm. you know any mm -hmm. kind of names like Hungarian wine people didn't care but so for people on you know students and people on budgets it was it was great um, so I guess I was just kind of into it and I kind of taught myself some things and then I was doing uh, I was writing restaurant reviews for the Guardian um, newspaper and I kind of found that I was choosing choosing dishes to have based upon the wine that I wanted or, or something I wanted to try rather than the other way around um, and so when I moved here I think it was because there's winemakers here and I could go to wineries everything kind of fell into place and it kind of seemed to kind of click then that this was this was something that actually um, yeah I want to get more into kind of thing so I, th I guess it was a, like a very gradual thing and then things fell into place for us. So how did each of you get to Oregon? Ooh. Well I had a I, I had an American wife once and that's what got me here um, 
And then I was, I was in Poland and I love uh, it's just so it's it's great here and it's so beautiful around here and uh, where I come from we don't have mountains and uh, yeah it's just you know you live here <laughs> he lives now yeah <laughs> it's just great yeah. yeah but that was part of it is is just how the, the natural beauty of the place and Poland was a good size city for me I lived in London for 20 years so I was ready to downsize. Um. <laughs> and I, when I was in LA, and I wanted to, didn't like LA. I didn't because it was it's just hot and basically I wanted cooler weather, but I still wanted a city and I still wanted to be on the east or in the whatever coast this is, the west coast. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whichever. <laughs> no, you. Uh, yeah. So I I had dreams of moving to Seattle since I was like a kid. And then, and then, but obviously didn't, I mean, not obviously, but I did not know much about Portland. And then I had a friend in college who grew up in Corvallis. So we would come up <clears throat> and visit her family pretty often. And so we would come into Portland. So I started to become familiar with it. And I was like, this sounds, seems like a good place. You know, it's a city, but small. And I could pursue my writing career. That's what I wanted. <laughs> They're artsy there. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about once you're once you're here and, and, you, and Martin, you especially mentioned like there, there are winemakers here. There's an there's an industry here. Tell me about getting to know the Oregon wine industry specifically and and, and pursuing your interests further. Um, so I started yeah just obviously started going to wineries and things. I worked in a tasting room at Domaine Durand just for like a summer. Um, I did a W set here and uh, and I was writing for the Portland Mercury. And then I started, I started doing a wine column for them, um, which wasn't just about Oregon wine, it was about wine in general, but that kind of gave me a chance to look into things and find out about things mm -hmm. that was going on here. Uh, yeah, and then just going to all the tastings and industry things, meeting winemakers, um, interviewing them. Um, yeah, it just kind of went from there, really. What were your first impressions of Oregon's industry? Um, that's a good question. I guess at the time it felt, um, so this originally was almost 10 years ago, so different to what it is now. Um, it felt, I, I liked it because it didn't, it just felt like it was something that was still creating itself. <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> Um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, it was still creating itself. Yeah, it's still creating itself, and it just felt um, almost homemade or something. Yeah, that was before. That's cute. That was before Domaine Serene built a palace on the hill because um, there wasn't any of that. There wasn't any of that kind of Napa stuff. It wasn't. It just seemed. It seemed like there was a lot of passion here, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it. When I first started going around, it I, it was all about Pinot, but then as I got to know the industry better, there was found out about all the other things that were going on, and there's more of that going on now than there was as well, which is also what I was really interested in. Mm -hmm. And Miller, tell me about your kind of your perspectives as you got up here, and, and what kind of drew you into interest in Oregon wine. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, I've never really thought about this until just now, actually. <laughs> but I, um, 
moving up here and I wanted I wanted to work in wine but I wanted to work at a wine bar where and I wasn't actually I didn't even think about like organ wine it wasn't for some reason it just didn't I was like I love I love learning about all of the different regions around the world and so all of that those complexities for some reason was that was what drew me in um, or what I was the most excited about when it came to wine and so it wasn't until really I think until I started working at a bottle shop and then you know and then you start getting introduced people you know people are coming in who are winemakers and then you start getting introduced to all the organ wine and I was like oh wow there's like such a community here and I don't know why it, it's just in my backyard and I just never even thought about it mm. um, just so weird but but yeah so that's and I think it was the and I don't which is, which is interesting tell me about about finding each other and about starting Sunday School Wines and to get, get us, get us, get us, take us on that path uh, to, to starting the business you have together. Um, I mean, we know each other because of the wine bar that Mallory was working at. Um, so that's how we... Jeez. Well, Just the noise. Yeah, I know. It's a rust, rustic setting, it's okay. Yeah. Northeast Portland. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's how we got to know each other and then he was covering some shifts. Yeah. Um, you, <laughs> Very romantic. Got, but I don't, I, he's not a romantic, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sticking to the facts for this. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want me? What? What? You've got the, you've what got the story about the Sunday school. Oh, the Sunday started. school story. Yeah. So we met, um, and we had been together not that long, about a year or in a year and a half or something like that, and. Um, what did happen? I wanted, so I'm working at this bottle shop, which I still work at, and I knew that I wanted wine to be my my career forever, my forever thing, whatever, but I knew that I couldn't, would, you know, I'm not just going to work in the bottle shop for the rest of my life either, so I didn't really know which direction to go in, so, so I found a few wine mentors and kind of was trying to figure out, like, what direction I wanted to go in in regards to wine, and um, people, you know, we, it's, I never really came to any answers other than we just talked about wine and me wanting to be part of tasting groups and learn more. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then someone said, one of my wine mentors was like, you know, what, you should just teach classes. And I was like, no, I don't know. I don't know enough to teach classes. That's why I'm like talking to you. Cause I need to like learn more and figure out which direction to do that. And she's like, no, you know, more than like 90% of the people in, in, you know, like someone knows more than you but you know more than most people <laughs> um and I was like no that's silly and then um a few other people mentioned that to me friends and stuff in passing would tell me that I should teach wine classes and at, at the bottle shop I work at I mean one of my favorite things is when people come in and they're like what does this mean on the wine label and I'll, I can just like totally geek out and, and I love explaining to, like just um what's the word I'm looking for I don't know I used to be want to be a technical writer and it's that idea of taking this this concept that seems really complex and like dissecting it and making it accessible in human language I love that um, and so that's what I was doing with wine at the bottle shop I work at and so then there was this other girl who was a customer who one day she said she was like if you should teach wine classes do it and I will bring all my friends and for some reason that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> if you come and you bring your friends, 
<laughs> let's do it. So I was like, well, I'll go home and I'll just mention it to Martin and see, maybe we'll have a conversation about it. So I came home and I was like, hey, what do you think about teaching a wine class? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I really thought it was gonna be a conversation, but it wasn't at all. It's like, it's like he had already been thinking about it and never told me. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what started it. So we were like, well, let's just do a class on rosé and see how it goes. And side note, funny fact, um, that girl who said that never came to a wine class <laughs> until a Zoom class last week. First class in like three yeah, years. Didn't bring all my friends. And she didn't bring all her friends. <laughs> anyway. So, anyway, she got it started. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was the beginning of that. What did you want? to accomplish in that original class like what what, what was your like okay if, if i do this this will be a success i don't even know if i do you have an answer to that i feel like i can just uh, i think talking. for the first one just to get through it without <laughs> seeming like an idiot um yeah yeah or forgetting what i was going to say and just you know going to pieces or something but it actually it went well there um, was no part of me that was like this is what we're gonna do <laughs> at all yeah, we were just like just let's it. just do a class and just see what it's like yeah and, and we got all our friends to come because it's like, <laughs> you know, who else is going to come? Uh, yeah, and then we did the class and our, our dynamic together worked so well. It just felt so good and it just felt like it just fit afterwards. And so that's when we were like, oh, this feels, this works. And so then we're like, well, let's do another one. And so it was almost kind of Sunday school, like pulled us. <laughs> like it wasn't like we set out to create it. Um, just kind of fun. <laughs> what was the what was the, the the best part? What did, what did you enjoy the most about about the kind of initial classes as you were kind of being pulled in? Um, I guess. I guess actually one of the one of the things was coming up with the classes themselves mm -hmm. because it's it's not just like getting the info from the books and putting it down we have to think about how we're going to translate that into into things so um the we the way we try and do it kind of in a fun and playful way that people can understand sort of complicated things um so we didn't want to alienate them so coming up with those ideas mm -hmm. we used to call them sunday schoolisms <laughs> um that that was that was kind of fun that was doing that um sometimes difficult but mm -hmm. that was good mm -hmm. and then yeah, and the flow, and along with that, like the flow of the classes, and not, and so, so it doesn't just feel like a list of facts. It's like, you know, almost, it's almost like when you're writing, like a, I don't know, an essay or like your thesis or something where you're studying this thing and you don't really know, or just writing in general, where you don't really know what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, but as you study that, that subject tells you how to, how to tell it if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of like that, where we would study, you know, this one thing, and then we'd find those stories that we didn't know about, and those stories, like, showed us how to tell the story of that initial concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was, well, that's actually a lot of work. It's fun, but it's, it's afterwards, but yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> People are always like, why don't you do a class on this? And they're kind of like, do you know how long it takes us to write a class? We can just knock it out in an afternoon. <laughs> it might seem like it, but... <laughs> That's the, sign, that's, that's the sign of a good class if it looks like it was really easy for you, right? Yeah. yeah so, so, take us, so take us through that kind of process. Take us through the process from we have this idea for a class through the creation of it and then what it's actually like to be in a class. What, what, you're actually, what the actual class session looks like. 
Um, so I guess we'll come up with an idea for a topic and then we will do um, a lot of just basic background research. Um, I always do the history things. Yeah, he's a history professional. And Mary doesn't understand dates. <laughs> or just history at all. Yeah. So, like, who are those people? And then Mallory's better at all the stuff to do with anything like um, sort of the wines themselves because she works in the, the bottle shop. She knows much more about the wines and, and, and things like that. Um, so anyway, we kind of got different skill sets that we bring together. So we do all our research and then we think about what is it we want to get across? What are the, the things we want to and what teach. are the interesting bits? Yeah. Um, you know, like for example, uh, the next class we're doing is on Southern Italy. So that class, you know, the obvious thing is you have this, you have the four, those four main regions in Southern Italy, but it's, you know, that's boring to just be like, here are the regions. So in our studying, we're sitting, we'll read, in my brain, I'm like, I'm gonna read everything I can find. Like all of the books, everything on the internet, literally everything on Basilicata and then see yeah and then we see like oh this is really interesting here's the story this is what almost like personifies that region mm -hmm. um, and then you use that as kind of like the thing that then grounds those facts about Alianico and you know so I yeah. don't know it's a it's kind of like you said earlier, rather than just throwing a bunch of facts at people, we like to have a, a story. And yeah. grounding is what we always try and do. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how to, how to yeah, ground then it. Yeah, because I mean, wine is so beautiful and interesting, and there's so much culture and like story involved around it. And that's what, if you want to learn about wine, I don't know. It's not only does it make it more interesting and fun, and that's what wine is, but it also like makes you remember those facts mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it, yeah. it gives you context and it makes it, it not makes it beautiful it is beautiful and you're like including that beauty in it but a story in it um and we, we approach wine from the i mean it's we're not like super technical if you want to you can go there's places you can go and be super technical about wine and you know you can get your qualifications and things we have an aspect of that but we're also interested in how wine intersects in other ways in, um to do with you know, cultures and things, mm -hmm. and um, I don't know, we've done all kinds of things. It's like social history comes into it, women's history. Oh, at some yeah. Point. It's like there's all kinds of stuff that can, so that can connected play into to it. everything. Yeah. Sounds coming at me. Um. So, I guess, yeah, once, once we've done that, we kind of, yeah, start to put the class together, figure out the flow of it, and that kind of thing. And then we would have. And then what wines best yeah. represent, like the story that we're taking them through, and then then it gets kind of tricky with the order of the wines and the order we want to do the class in, because <laughs> that's always kind of weird. Yeah. Um, like, can't do the lights at the end. Sometimes yeah. we do. <laughs> for the story, for the reason of the story. Yeah, we have to decide whether the story is more important than the wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, what was the other? What was the other? So, uh, so take us through an actual class. Give us, give, take a, give us whether you have an example in mind, like the class that's coming up or a class you just did, and take us through kind of the flow of the class with the, the history and facts plus the wine itself. What was the class we just did? <laughs> like yesterday, sparkling yeah. wine. <laughs> yeah, should we do that one? Go for it. Um, so, I guess we would just start with a basic introduction, get people into it. 
Um, and I can't remember the class, even though it was just yesterday. <laughs> what is a class? Like, we don't do this all the time. What is class like? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess we... Oh, what do we do? We introduce the class. We try to, we try to, I mean, initially we, we try to bring people in at the very get-go, right? And kind of explain what, who we are, especially to the people who weren't there, who don't come, who haven't been, whatever. Um, you know, that we want them to be part of this conversation, ask us questions, we're here for them to learn and not for like us to just blah, you know, so they kind of are introduced already to the tone of the class, which is approachable and conversational um and then yeah and then usually we try to ask some questions at the beginning like we did a on zoom you can do polls mm -hmm. so we did a poll yesterday that was uh what do you think of when you think of sparkling wine we had like 12 or 15 you know from silly to mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. napoleon my grandma champagne <laughs> just to kind of get just to set the tone mm -hmm. of the class basically mm -hmm. um uh, and i guess take from here <laughs> I mean, that's one of the important things about what we do is, is making sure everybody feels included, that mm -hmm. there is no, there's no stupid questions. And we want people to talk about the wine, um, particularly when we do in-person classes. We like it. That's the best is when people are talking to us about things. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to make them feel comfortable about that and say there isn't any right or wrong answers. You don't need to know a, a language or mm -hmm. specific terms to be able to do this. Mm -hmm just whatever it tastes like to you kind of thing. So yeah, we try to set that at the beginning um, and then we will come back to bringing people in and giving them plenty of time for questions to if they didn't understand something. And, and then usually there's a, there's a structure um, that the class kind of revolves around that we tell them at the beginning so they know like, so they can kind of conceptualize all of the ideas. So for example, for regional classes, it's pretty simple because you just go by region. Um, but the sparkling wine class, we kind of frame it by method. Mm -hmm. So you have um, the three primary methods of making sparkling wine, and within one of those is, you know, is um, petit natural, and then you have the ancestral method, and then you have um, the traditional method with and, you know champagne and cava, and then you have the tank method and prosecco, and so it kind of you know mm -hmm. so they can kind of see what's happening so it's not just kind of like information thrown um then and so yeah within that we will usually have have some history in there some background on mm -hmm. on either the the method or the region uh there's obviously a lot of champagne history so we we would cover some of that and nothing and nothing. <laughs> um, uh, people like the history i thought when we started people wouldn't like the history and we asked them Oh yeah, when we do in Zoom, when we can do polls, we yeah. have sometimes at the beginning we'll say, "What are you most excited? Or you know, what do you want to learn about the most? History, the regions, how to buy, what to shop for, reading labels. History almost always wins." Yeah, I'm incredible. surprised. It's incredible. That's <laughs> why we exist, I guess. That's, true, that's, that's awesome. Right? <laughs> so, so, good. so, what are the takeaways? What What do you want people to leave a class of yours with? What's the, I mean, it's not necessarily a, a point of knowledge that you're looking for. What What is it you want them to take away from a class of yours? I mean, the first thing I thought of was I want them to feel like, I don't even know what the word is. Belonging really is the word I feel like. Like I, like wine f can feel so high like up here and I want people to learn something, but I want them to feel like they were a part of something 
and that they can be a part of that thing. I think is for me the most the biggest thing, and you know, learning something comes along with that because if you did, if you just sat through an hour and a half class and didn't learn anything, you're not going to feel that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm, so that's mm -hmm. part of it. But I think ultimately that's what I hope for. I was going to say enjoyment, like they had a good time, but within that, presumably that means they did learn something mm -hmm. and they and the way but the way we were teaching it made them enjoy it mm -hmm. as well as learning and that they enjoyed the wines even even if they didn't like them mm -hmm. there was something they got something from the wines and, and kind of some understanding and ideally that when they left that class that they would um, feel comfortable or, or confident enough to go to a store and choose a wine based around what we were been teaching or something and, and so they could pass for that or have an idea of what they wanted mm -hmm. or what they liked and didn't like that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Or at least know what questions to start asking people, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, because wine is so complicated and there's so much information so you can't, you know, I think our we don't, we're not, our goal is not to teach everyone all of the information about wine. Our goal is to give people foundational knowledge and a foundational understanding so that they know they have the confidence to keep learning and to ask questions. I mean, we don't know everything. Like, we know most things. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, and I think that's a misconception, which is interesting that, that I know you didn't ask about challenges yet, but this is what I think, I just came up with this one just now. People want, answers and they want easy answers and they're like well what do i pair with this well what do i how do i buy a wine how do i read this wine label or how do i know what to buy from southern italy and i'm like it's so calm it's actually so complicated and so that's a huge challenge is is being it's frustrating that i can't really answer those questions because i'm like well you can it's like the english language like there's all these rules, but there is exceptions to every single rule, depending on where you go. <laughs> and so you really, it's really, really hard to just answer a question straight and straightforwardly. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I think my goal is to, is to, um, yeah, to give people the understanding of here's the rules, but here's like the foundational understanding you need so that as you continue to, to learn about wine and shop for wine mm -hmm. and drink wine, you kind of know how to learn, how to continue learning about it, which is a really vague answer to people's questions. And I don't think people are satisfied with that answer, but it's the true answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a huge challenge is feeling like people don't appreciate that mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't and I it's like I want to give people straightforward answers but then I feel don't feel like true to myself if mm -hmm. I just give them these like you know right Wikipedia answers anyway it's, it's not unlike it's learning to how we heard about making wine you learn how to make wine so you can break all those rules yes. and do you know and figure out the exceptions <laughs> it sounds kind of familiar totally. in, the, in that case so so tell me about uh, as as you're kind of as you're getting kind of pulled into this. Tell me about getting the business started and coming up with uh, with a, a client base and a, and a kind of a plan for how it's going to work. And and what about the early classes made you think it would work? I guess that people came to the classes and they <laughs> and they came back. <laughs> yeah, people came back. That was. I mean, we got lots of positive feedback. People kind of going out of their way, even people that weren't necessarily our friends. Um, to tell us how much they loved it and appreciated it and learned a bunch and then the fact that people I mean we had regulars from the get-go who would come to every single class and I think that was that was the ultimate thing that I was like oh 
Mm -hmm. Oh, they're bad. I didn't even know they loved it so much, but they have signed up for every single class. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess something's working for those so, people. So then we had to learn how to grow it kind of from, from that initial base, how to get other people. Mm -hmm. um, the place that I, the bottle shop I work at, I mean, that was, I mean, that's huge. Um, we were able to do classes there at the beginning. That's how we started having to be, it's a space we used. And then, and then that's how we built it from the beginning. The client base is through my work. So people would come in and I would be like, I have a class coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so if it wasn't for that, it would have been much, much, much harder. That was, yeah, really good. Um, but beyond that, beyond that, it was just, uh, I don't know. I mean, we Instagram, Instagram, word of mouth, word of mouth, got a mailing list together, mm -hmm. um, sending people out information and a lot of it was word of mouth at the beginning, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that's kind of how it sort of gradually grew. Mm -hmm. And then we're just looking to kind of grow it more and more, especially with Zoom classes now. Um, obviously, they don't need to be in Portland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you mentioned one of the challenges. Talk about other the other challenges of getting something like this going and and of sustaining kind of sustaining growth. Well, I mean, I was just going to say that's another, you know, grow. it's been growing and it's, it's growing slowly, like in a normal, a normal speed, but that has been a huge challenge is wanting it to grow much quicker and knowing, and knowing that what we're doing is something that, you know, that people love and want, but not knowing how to find those people or have them find us is really frustrating. So um, so yeah, I feel like the biggest challenge or kind of mental strain um, and energy strain is that is like, okay, well, how do we find, you know, who can we partner with? How can we collaborate mm -hmm. with other people to kind of like throw the word, you know, spread the word into their networks? Um, and it's just, yeah, how do we reach Instagram? Oh. <laughs> is the worst because it, it has been huge for us and there's so much potential in Instagram because it is everywhere um, but but man the same like you know a couple hundred people who are my friends and like own wine shops around town are the only people who see my posts and I'm like these are not the people <laughs> and they're like I love your stuff it's great and I'm like that's great you love it but it's you know but I want the other people to see it who are like going to be our customers, not just like my mm -hmm. neighbors and my friends mm -hmm. and my mom. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's been, yeah, that's been a huge challenge is mm -hmm. trying to reach people. Um, I think that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. Really, because, yeah, I, the, everything else it just kind of ticks over it just kind of works to doing the classes and that kind of thing and uh, when we in when there was a real life um, we could see people um, that was going that was going pretty well they would do it in different places around town so we were always kind of like a pop-up uh, rather than just having always like having just one home mm -hmm. I mean, one challenge with when we were doing it in person is uh, the class size is so limited and because we're, mm. we're pouring the wine and because of the way we structure the class, like literally physically, where we use a chalkboard or an overhead, old school overhead projector. Old school. Um, it's great. <laughs> it's amazing how many people have those just sitting around in their attics. <laughs> mm. 
or teachers. Um, but so everyone kind of has to, and everyone has to have, you know, five or six glasses in front of them and be facing something that they can see. Mm -hmm. And so it really limits, mm -hmm. it limits what we do. And people are like, well, just don't use one of those things or just, you know, I'll, everyone always has ideas of how we can do it differently, but it's just, but that's not who we are. Like that's part of our whole thing is that, is that centerpiece. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and so that was the challenge in, with in-person classes. Um, doing Switching over to Zoom now, that challenge has been taken away, <laughs> which is kind of cool, which is why now it's even more frustrating that we can't get the word out there, that we're, f I mean, I feel like we're fighting, we're fighting like, the man like that the Instagram algorithm <laughs> and like email servers basically mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean how many times people come to me at my customers at my work who are also part of Sunday schools network and they're like well, when's the next class you're doing I've been you know I want to come and I'm like I've sent out an email every week and you know I don't say it to them like that but <laughs> damn you <laughs> no and they're like um you know, I'm like, well, are you on my ma our mailing list? They're like, yeah, I think so. And so then we sit there and they go search and they're like, oh yeah, I just found them all in my spam folder or whatever. And I'm like, go in there and say that you, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. still, it still, it just goes, ugh, it's so frustrating when people want, they want the information, but you can't get it to them because all of these systems have been set up to prevent people like Old Navy from getting, <laughs> spamming you. And I'm like, but I'm just like, we're just little old Sunday school, <laughs> you know? Ugh, drives me nuts. I've spent way too much time, like weeks of my life, just trying to figure out how to. Oh man, I I could talk about that for hours. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that in another interview. A separate market, a separate marketing interview. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned earlier being kind of surprised by the the, the polls you do before class and people interested in history. What, what else has surprised you about customers? Either what they want or what they do or don't know coming in. What have been the biggest surprises for your, from your customers? One, one thing we found since we've done the Zoom classes is um, people want to have the wines that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So we we can give them other recommendations or tell them stuff to go and get, but they they more often than not they, they say no. We, can, we want the wines that you know that that you're using in the class. That's something that mm -hmm. people are really. It's like they don't want to think about think about it. They just want us to give it to them because they trust us. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised. I didn't think that people would buy full bottles for, you know, full bottles for the class. So I would do, I started with, okay, here's two wines and then here's, here's three options, but you can buy one or three or two. Here's five options. And every time I add more, people buy them all. And I think, and they might not even open them all during the class, but I think that having, having the education and then having wines that we paired with that education, even if they are just referencing those wines later, I think people are like so 100% for. I mean, and we've tried doing a wine club where it's not paired with education. We're like, here's wines that we love at the moment. People are like, that's cool. And some people are into it, but it's the education paired with the wines that people are willing to like spend money on, which has been, yeah, very surprising, mm -hmm. I think. What are the most common questions you're getting? What are the most common things people want to know from you that they want to, that they, uh, are there, is it stories, is it facts, is it history, Practical is it reasons? Things. Practical things. They want to know what to pair, exactly what to pair. If we say pork, they're like, no, like what dish? <laughs> um, why they get headaches. Why they get headaches. They want to know what glasses to use. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. What temperature? I'm always surprised by that yeah, one. People want to know what temperature to drink their wine at. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever feels great. Feels good. Like, get a meat thermometer and he always he always does that one because I, yeah. I get it because I'm like annoyed by that. I'm not you know. I have the numbers. It's the numbers. It's like too much detail for me. <laughs> but yeah, practical things and. I guess that's when we open up the questions to general things. It's mm -hmm. like that's always the stuff that comes out. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how like, to store their wine. People yesterday store. were asking, you know, yeah. if I open a bottle of sparkling wine and I have it on the table like during the class, do I should I put it in the fridge? Should I put a cap, the you know, the a cork in it or a champagne cap thing on mm -hmm. it? Like yeah, it's all that. Mm -hmm. But yesterday also, I mean, that's generally what comes up is those things. But yesterday, it started to nerd out on corks. Oh yeah, um, and people were really interested in that, mm -hmm. like, you know, um, champagne corks and how they go in and how they stay in and what they're like when they came out. And we had a winemaker with us um, who was explaining things as well, uh, which which people liked. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's kind of the general questions, and then some people like really like and details and de like I remember one time and when we were talking about champagne and how they you know store years, decades worth of of. Um, the, the the wine to blend every year and um, we were explaining that and someone was like where do they keep them all <laughs> like what does it look like people want to know like very specific mm -hmm, things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. so it's interesting what, what that tells me those questions tell me is that the people aren't comfortable asking those questions elsewhere and they bring them to you so why why I, I guess a why are you safe to ask and be why are why are people not able to ask others uh, tasting rooms or uh, other places for those kind of in, uh, kind of information. Um, I guess we well. One of the things we've always tried to do is just, like I said earlier, is just make it comfortable for people to ask any questions they want to ask and to feel like they're a part of what's going on. And it's mm -hmm. not just us lecturing them. Mm -hmm. It's like you're we're here all together, kind of learning and um, yeah. And maybe that too. I think maybe that's an aspect of it is that we don't know everything and especially we're, we're trying to you know be experts on wine in every subject in every region in every you know and so obviously oftentimes you know I don't know almost anything about Australian wine for example um, so I'm not gonna do an Australian class soon <laughs> but, <laughs> but like my point is us being honest about the things that we don't know, you know, and and learning those things together with people, I think also, I mean, yeah, makes people feel comfortable mm -hmm. that we're not pretending that we just like know everything. Mm -hmm. um, just, the way we do it was just kind of like this, just like human people, um, <laughs> as opposed to, I mean, I think a lot of tasting rooms, particularly in Oregon, are very friendly and 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 you know that's fine but when you come up against if you like official wine in restaurants and some kinds of mm -hmm. um, bottle shops and some tasting rooms it will it feels intimidating to people mm -hmm. because of the way it's uh, partly because of the way it's presented to them maybe or the way it's talked about or possibly just because they go in with those assumptions mm -hmm. because it does seem um, like it's an intimidating thing and it's one of the things that we you know we don't like about you know, the wine world and we th you know it's changing fortunately I think it is changing a lot that there's a shift towards a more sort of casual 
people can people can do it are on their on their own terms rather than somebody else's terms that they they're dictating down mm -hmm. kind of top down. I think there's more of a bottom up thing mm -hmm. with wine now. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so in addition to your classes you've also uh, have events so tell me about some of the events you've done i know alt wine festival is a big one but other how things like that have come about and, and sort of pulling those off uh, um we've done we've done dinners before we've done happy hours with winemakers we've done tastings with winemakers we've done kind of like what we call an after hours which is when we take over Mallory's bar <laughs> for, for late night stuff and, and bring in oh, kind of the wines that we want to pour for people. Mm -hmm. um, apart from the festival, what else have we done? Just I think that's it. That kind of thing. But And then the festival did last year. We should have been doing it in a couple of weeks, but it's not, obviously not going to happen this year. Um, that just that came about just because Erica at the old schoolhouse yeah. reached out to me through Instagram and wanted to, us to go out there and do a class and we were like well, we're probably I mean that'd be great but we're not gonna get you know a bunch of people from Portland to drive out to Newburgh just to do a class that they could very easily do you know somewhere in town that we do all the time and so we were like well it needs to be and then it kind of just grew from there <laughs> um, we're like well then we should have some winemakers so then it's like more of a thing and then we're like well if we're gonna do that we might as well just make it a thing <laughs> so maybe let's have 30 mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it just yeah so and then and and we've never done i mean obviously we've never done that before and so i don't think we knew what we were getting ourselves into um we had two months to do it and we had two months to do it but i i think that it was good we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into because we didn't realize like we didn't have the perception like people were like oh my gosh you're throwing this whole thing together in two months and that was after we were pretty much done putting it together and I was like I didn't realize like if I would have had that fear beforehand I that would have stopped me but you know when you like it's kind of this ignorance or naive mm -hmm. like jumping into something and then you do it because you're like you're like oh no I'll just do it how, <laughs> so hard, how hard could it be yeah <laughs> so that's kind of what we did and it just and we just did it yeah. and luckily we had um, people a lot of help from people so, um, and people who had done events that were like, here, use this to do your, to organize your volunteers. And so we had a lot of help in, in those areas. Um, and the, we, the winemakers were so into it. Finding the winemakers was really easy. Mm -hmm. so oh, they yeah. They just wanted to do it. We had to turn, turn them away because um, there, was, there was too many. And I was so surprised at how, that's another thing I was surprised by people's responses. They were so into that. The winemakers and the um, people, the guests, whatever. Everyone was. I mean, we sold out. We sold out like a week before, and people were, people were calling and calling and trying to like, you know, convince us to buy them extra tickets and showing up at the door. And we had to. We were like, we didn't, yeah. I was really surprised at how people were really into alt wine. And that's the other thing that, um, that I was surprised about, like um, people. I gonna say um, like all the th all the other events that we've done um, people and I think why the wine club maybe the wine club will work at some point when we have more people that are you know that are interested but I think that's why the wine club doesn't really work and all of those events that we've done like tastings and happy hours and the after hours where we do kind of we curate our own glass pour list based around like 
a region or something mm -hmm. like that um, have worked because people want to they want to experiment and they want to taste things and they don't necessarily want to commit but they want to like mm -hmm. they want to explore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and so it's very exciting for people to like mm -hmm. try what are what are these weird five wines from Savoie that I've never heard of before and I don't have to buy a whole bottle but I can come and I can in this in this space that feels welcoming for that exploration where I don't have to know anything I can mm -hmm. learn something and see if this is something that I want to you know and that was the thing about the old wine fest is that a lot of people were just blown away by the by the number of different wines mm -hmm. Oregon wines um, the only rule was everything but Pinot um, just because, you know, Pinot was, I don't know what it is, 57% of production, and we just wanted to give a shout out to everything else, really. And he had yeah. a shirt that says that said Pinot Police, and he was <laughs> making sure <laughs> it wasn't sneakily blended into anything. Yeah, people were like, I've got a Pinot blend, is that okay? Like, no. <laughs> well, it's a rosé made from Pinot. We're like, no. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, some of the winemakers were like, I sold out of everything I bought, people just couldn't get enough of it. Um, so that was good, and that was, that was nice to see that, that you know, mm -hmm. people wanted those things, and they wanted to find out. Curious, people yeah. curious. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea how, how many different kinds of wines you had there, or how many different kinds of varietals there were at Altfest? Gosh, I did count at one point. You did, didn't we? There, there, was, was, o there was over 100 wines, but in terms of... Maybe like 40, mm -hmm. to somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Some. Yeah. That's incredible. So tell me about, uh, you mentioned kind of the naivete of jumping into an event like that without really knowing. So tell me about pulling it together and about tracking winemakers down and space down and all of that and, and pulling it off. What, what, what went into it? What was, in that event and other events, what goes into that to make them successful? I'll tell you what, tracking winemakers that is like her herding sheep. Tell me, tell me about, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. All they, had to do, all they had to do was like sign a form and send us a check or something. We did everything for them. We did all the paperwork for them. They just had to like pretty much sign a form, give us a couple of names. And it was just like, it was like the last day we had to turn something in. We drove down to wine country to get a piece of paper off somebody. I won't say who it was, but um, <laughs> we, we need to commiserate about this off camera sometime because yeah. this is, yeah. this is yeah. sounding very familiar. It was yeah. crazy. Um, the rest of it, actually, I mean, this is probably why I am an entrepreneur at heart is because um, I love doing stuff like like figuring out things. So like, I wouldn't want to do it for all the time, but I love I love that like, all right, so how do I figure out, you know, how are we gonna, I don't even know, like what do we need from the OCC and how do I figure that out? And then they're like, what do we need? Um, what was even part of it? It was so long ago. There was ago. some paperwork, there was a county No, paperwork. I mean not the OCC stuff, but like what else What else even went into it? How are we gonna decorate? Like how are we gonna organize the volunteers? So how are we going to, um, what about food? How are we gonna yeah. figure that out? Mm -hmm. And how, what did they get and what parking. do we get? Oh, parking, how no, do we figure out yeah. parking and how do I yeah. find? And so it's almost like a big puzzle that you have to put together and you have to figure out all the little pieces of it and then it starts to kind of come together and it's really fun. I love, I loved doing it actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. How, what else? Well, you mentioned already, obviously, where you had, you've had to shift. You're shift you've shifted to online only as Zoom. Obviously, we're in the middle of, of a pandemic here. So tell me about what that's done to you, kind of your, your business, what, what you see for the future for yourselves uh, uh, and for the near, near and long-term future, and uh, what you're kind of hoping for uh, as, you get, as things get back to normal at some point. 
Um, well, as I said, you know, we had to obviously cancel the festival and then all the in-person classes. So we do everything on Zoom and that works well. It's, it's probably, uh, well, I was going to say it works better than we thought, but I, maybe I didn't even, maybe I didn't know how it was. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we, just, we had we like just, planned, like, yeah, we just like, Let's anticipated do it. anything in particular. Uh, but that does work well. We get to, uh, get to draw other people in, mm -hmm. um, we wanted, which we, we'd like to do more of. So we have, we get some people from the East Coast, we had some people from different countries come. Um, so that's, that's fun being able to do that. And it works well. We still have the blackboard. We still use that. Um, uh, I don't know what else. Should we talk about what we're planning on doing? Or is that a secret? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the other thing that we want to do is have um, online classes. Like um, pre-recorded, yeah, of course. Um, that people can, um, people can watch online and, and give them materials and things like that so they can do it without us. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe, maybe they can check in with us or something. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's something that we're in the process of doing, figuring out, um, started writing those those classes as well. Mm -hmm. So that's something for the future. Interesting. Um, and then I think, I mean, I anticipate, I don't know if we talked about this, we might have, um, doing once, you know, in-person classes start back up at some point, I still feel like Zoom is a thing. And um, so I'm, hoping that zoom will still be our default um and that we can in this time build build the community beyond portland so that we have you know so that it make that makes sense and then in-person classes we will we'll still do um but that those will be more one-offs mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and hopefully then we can travel around and do them other things <laughs> Doesn't that sound amazing? Uh, yeah. What about things like alt wine? Is that something that you're gonna you're gonna you're anticipating, hoping to be able to bring back? Yeah, definitely. definitely. We we were trying to figure out how to do it this year, and it was just too difficult. Yeah. It was plexiglass, like the number of people. people that we'd have to hire just to like just for that, just yeah. for social distance purposes. Was like, yeah. It's <laughs> too crazy. So yeah. Definitely. But yeah, for sure. Um. I know something that you guys have been interested in, at least via your Instagram lately, has been sort of diversifying Oregon wine and, and, and working on that. Tell me about what your impressions of Oregon wine have been uh, in, the, in the time you've been in, uh, around it and sort of what you see as the next step in need in terms of taking it forward, inclusivity and, and, diver and diversity-wise. Um, well, in terms of diversity, there isn't really any in, in Oregon wine. Um, you know, well, in Oregon and Portland in general, well, it's yeah, very white, so um, there's a, there's, makes a sense. there's a handful of, of winemakers, um, and there isn't. There's even probably less people involved in other in other aspects of it, other aspects of the wine industry apart from winemakers. Um, so that's obviously something that you know needs to change, um, and I think just judging by the kind of feedback and the people we've been talking to in the industry it's like there's a there is a big groundswell in the industry that they generally they want that to happen you know that people want to change things try and make that happen so that's good but mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i don't know i don't know what the answer is i don't know because it's kind of like you you know we we're doing um indefinitely free classes for um bipoc um 
but like that you know it's like if the industry is already so the industry industry is so white and so it's like what person of color is like oh this seems like fun to be a part of like like there's so it kind of is like a, the chicken and the egg you know um so it feels i feel like in the same way that um well not in the same way it's very different but but the wine the wine world is the traditional wine world is so has this kind of can have this like snobbiness and pretentiousness right and if it's ostracized if, if people like feel ostracized from it just for not knowing anything like how would a person of color feel when it's also all white people and there, there's that that like pretentious snobby traditional whatever attitude mm -hmm. um to be frank but yeah so so i don't know what so I don't know what the answer is. All I know is what we, the tiny little things that we can do, you know, which is um, be vocal and provide the, the accessibility that we are able to provide mm -hmm. and have the conversations with other. And I think also, I mean, this is something that I believe in and that is that I keep saying is that we're, we're not islands. And so it's like each, you know, each individual person or business is like you know can do their individual thing um but how but how much more effective can we be if we all kind of know what everyone's doing and are able to kind of support each other and um yeah i don't know like for example we can we can provide education but then what if someone wants to get a person of color wants to get a job at a wine bar like how do i know where I don't want to send them to somewhere where then now they're just going to go work at this place where they're just going to feel like shit all the time because <laughs> because the people there are not welcoming to people mm -hmm. of color, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I so th I think that's an important aspect of it is is um, the individuals and businesses keeping each other accountable and knowing who are those people that are safe places um, that are working and learning and trying to provide as best as we can um, a place that is different from what it used to be. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a place that mm -hmm. is welcoming to, um, yeah, the BIPOC community. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm -hmm. I don't have all the answers. Well, <laughs> it, well it's interesting. I mean, of course you don't, and, I, I'm, and I'm curious. I was, I was curious what role you wanted to play, and that's, that's yeah. a, it's a good start. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have other kind of future thoughts on ways, roles you can play personally or, or that you can help play uh, to help those efforts? So, Do you have thoughts on the horizon kind of thing? Um, I don't know. I think it's my. I don't know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I just see what you're gonna say. No, was, you can go ahead. I was gonna say. I don't know. It's a bit early to tell at the moment, just because of um, you know. We are. We're kind of talking to other people in the industry, and there's um, there's been a lot of lot of reaction to it and stuff. But how that, how are we gonna build from that? Mm -hmm. I, I'm not quite sure. And what our place is too. Yeah. It's, um, um, there's going to be people better than us to, to, to lead this and, and you know it's, it, there's people from you know the BIPOC community and stuff or whatever should be in a leadership role really but not us doing it and so yeah so right now yeah. we're in the we're in the conversation stage and just kind of like sh I you know I have ideas and we have ideas and we're sharing those ideas with with other people so that they're not just sitting in our heads and then ultimately um, taking whatever role we feel like we need to take instead of just like deciding to be white saviors about everything. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, what, what do you see as you look ahead for the Oregon wine industry in general? Obviously, 
kind of tumultuous times at the moment, uh, near-term, long-term future, what is Oregon wine going to look like in five, ten years? Um, assuming we don't have a, a, a pandemic for the rest of the rest of the decade. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think, it, I think it's exciting time for, for Oregon wine because the people are People are people. There's, there's a lot of winemakers who are who are who are taking risks and willing to willing to try things and realizing that there's more than just Pinot that can be done here. Um, and yeah, I, I talk to winemakers all the time, and, and like even some people you wouldn't expect. They're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm gonna I want to make a Gamay this year or something. Mm -hmm. Or there's people who are like, yeah, trying to get my hands on some Trousseau or something, you know, and. And I think all of that is great, and people are planting different stuff, and there's, um, it's, I think people are finding different bits of the valley that are working, because it's so big, and then there's what's going on in Columbia Gorge, is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Southern Oregon um, tends to get overlooked sometimes because of the sort of the glamour of the Willamette Valley. <laughs> um, but there's interesting things going on there, so I think, I think it's a it's a it's a great region, you yeah. know. And with and I was just I was talking to a, a French winemaker last week who's here and, and makes wine here, and he he just he just thinks it's amazing. He's mm -hmm. like he's from Burgundy, and he's like, yeah, Burgundy's great, but it's kind of boring because it's just this is what we just have to do, and it's just you know we got a, a row of hills and they all face the same way, but here there's just stuff everywhere. It's like he's you know he was talking about how he could find a. He found some like vineyard that that was sort of off the beaten track that people didn't really know about, and he was like, "This is amazing," and that kind of thing. So, and that's the other thing is there's, there's a lot of sort of passion here, people trying things, and um, yeah, it's always just great talking to winemakers and other people here about it. It just seems to have a have a lot of potential. Yeah. Okay. Every French winemaker we talked to who made wine in Burgundy in this year now, they, they feel like they've been like unshackled. Like they're like, oh, freedom. <laughs> yeah. I can choose my date. I can choose my variety. I can choose my, yeah. this is amazing. Let's, yeah, it's I like can a kidney, basically do what I want. kidney candy store. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Mallory, I'm sorry the sun chased you around the table it's there. Okay. We're almost done here, it's so okay. I will. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Um, what would your, uh, if someone were to ask you uh, for your words of wisdom on joining the wine industry in some capacity, what would you, what would you tell them? What would your words of wisdom be? Oh man. Uh, do, do you mean like as a as a job or just a? It's a job, and yeah, so trying to trying to make money in the Oregon wine industry, I suppose, in some way. Um, that was a question I wasn't expecting, I guess. So you have a tricky one. At tricky the end. one at the end. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Classic journalist. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, one thing about the industry here that it is, that the people in the industry are good, generally good people. They're friendly people, and they they're very happy to share their knowledge um, and to help people out, which I think is which I think is good. In in the main, there might be some exceptions, and so I think that's good. Is just to try and just talk to people. Mm -hmm. There's obviously educational routes you can take. There's um, 
you know, there's, there's classes like W set and things that you can do if you want to get those qualifications. There's obviously Linfield. I think building, but building connections is probably the first thing and the most important thing, and that's what's going to get you get you places because you can come in with some with some qualification and you're not really going to go anywhere. Um, and I guess I would say even that, like you said, there are you know most people are very friendly and willing to share their knowledge and um, support. Um, and then there, you know, might be some people who aren't. And so I would almost say, like, if you come across the one who's who's not that way, like, just move on. Like, I I don't. Yeah, my fear unlucky. is that <laughs> my fear is that someone would come across that and feel feel that that barrier, mm -hmm. and that then that would discourage the entire the entire process. And so I would just say don't even give that the time of day move on to someone else and find that person who is going to support you mm -hmm. and then and then hold on to that <laughs> and let that person and those people help you build those connections and then and then and then invest in or figure out a way to get you know the degrees or the whatever mm -hmm. the knowledge or whatever it is that you need i think people especially in oregon like it like we were talking about earlier it's such a beautiful community that and everyone, yeah, that I feel like that's really valuable mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. All right, last question for you. This is the one I'll warn you about because it's a little philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> what is wine's role in society? Well, my answer was kind of cliched, so I didn't want to say it. Oh, say your cliche it's answer. A, the cliche answer is like to bring people together, and but it kind of is that. It kind of is. I mean, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's an alcoholic drink. Um, but so it's something to be enjoyed. But I think it does play um, a role in, in bringing people together. There's something like sharing a bottle of wine with people. Um, you know that's always something we enjoy enjoy doing is, is you know having a bottle of wine and sometimes talking about it sometimes not doesn't matter um, but as I said earlier I mean just from a historical perspective that wine can intersect with anything any kind of like any type of history you want to do wine turns up there and <laughs> it, it plays a, it plays a deeper role than perhaps um, than people realize in many ways um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, yeah, it's a good answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, guys, all the questions I have for you. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Is there anything we didn't cover today that we should have covered? Uh, oh, the only the thing we didn't mention actually is because we didn't do a wine festival, but we did do kind of an alt wine summit on Zoom. Um, where we got together some winemakers and a couple of Californian winemakers as well. Oh yeah, that was fun. Um, and then had some wine packs for people to have and, and to, uh, yeah, that was good. So we had a lot of people turn up for that Zoom one and the winemakers talking. We were just mm -hmm. going through some questions about wine and what it is, why, you know, future. And Which makes thing. me think actually another thing um, that I didn't mention before that is interesting about um, what people want and the type of like response we get to what we're doing and the industry response not from like wine makers necessarily but from people who are working in bars and restaurants um, with wine 
in some capacity. I was really surprised at how much, which is actually interesting to see how even people who are working in the industry are intimidated about wine and to ask those questions and don't have the answers to those questions. Um, and so I was really surprised at how much, I mean, people are coming all the time are asking us to do classes for industry in particular, mm, so that people who are serving wine feel confident being telling their customers that this is what this is. Um, and yeah, and that, that just made me think of it because the Alt Wine Summit and Alt Wine Fest, I think was a lot of like industry people who, yeah, who still feel that kind of, um, don't, yeah, don't feel that confidence or that welcoming in the world that they're already in, which is really interesting and mm -hmm. kind of sad. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, that's something that that's an idea that I don't know if you know how to what capacity we'll get to it, but to kind of have a branch of Sunday school that's aimed at industry, I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. We have lots on our list, but <laughs> <laughs> someone said that we should call it Sunday School Pro, which I think is pretty cute. <laughs> Sunday School Plus, yeah, 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 yeah exactly, that, yeah. or just <laughs> Sunday College, Sunday University, Sunday Sunday Graduate Degree, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you guys both so much for, for having us here today, for sharing your stories and your thoughts with us. And yeah. uh, it's very exciting for us to hear about Sunday School because it's like it, it, it corresponds so much with what we're doing with Linfield and what we want to do as, as, a, as an archive. So thank you so much for doing that and for, and for sharing it with us today. And we will let you off the hook so we can get Mallory out of the sun. <laughs> thank you, thank thank you, you both so much. so much. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. Special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have assisted on our oral history interviews. <laughs>